daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visits China this week. French President Emmanuel Macron hosted a special security meeting and cancelled a state visit to Germany amid ongoing national unrest. Austria plans to join the European Sky Shield defense system, inviting criticism that this violates the country's military neutrality. Welcome to World Today, a news program with a different perspective. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is visiting China this week, marking the second trip to the country by a U.S. cabinet official in years. China's finance ministry says Yellen will be in Beijing from Thursday to Sunday. According to the U.S. Treasury Department, Yellen will discuss how the U.S. views its economic relationship with China, and she will meet with senior Chinese officials and representatives from leading American firms. The visit follows the trip made weeks ago by Antony Blinken, who became the first U.S. Secretary of State to visit China in five years. For more, we're joined by Zhao Hai, research fellow, Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Thank you, Dr. Zhao, for joining us. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, first up,、uh, what does the fact that Yellen can finally make this trip tell us about the current status of communication at U.S.-China government level? Well, I think the fact that uh, uh, Secretary Yellen is、uh, coming to China shows that、uh, China-U.S. relations is gradually improving. And particularly after the、uh, Secretary Blinken's visit to China, now all the communication channels are reopened,、uh, except of, of course the military channel. We're still waiting for the U.S. to cancel sanction, but other channels, particularly economic exchanges,、uh, are gradually opening,、uh, and、uh, the meetings are、uh, happening according to the arrangement.、Mm-hmm. So so far, after、uh, Secretary Yellen's visit, we could expect more visits, high level. Uh, a political economic visit from the United States. So I think this visit is according to plan and shows that both sides are acting according to the November Bali meeting spirit of the two top leaders.、Mm, indeed. Now,、uh, Dr. Zhao, what do you think the U.S. side wants to achieve by this trip, and what about the China side? Well, I think、uh, both the previous visit and this visit for the American side they set a pretty low bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't expect more deliverables, and they don't、uh, set a high expectation for achieving、uh, material pro-、uh, progress. So at this point, I think、uh, Secretary Yellen's mo- most important task or mission for this trip is to come to China to meet with her counterparts in China, and particularly、uh, after many years of uh, uh, sort of separation, she needs to understand and have a better understanding of her counterpart in China. Particularly after the 20th Party Congress and People's Congress this,、uh, this year, there are new leadership, economic leadership in China. So、mm-hmm. I think Secretary Yellen needs to know these people, and secondarily, she needs to know, understand better of the status of China's economy. And、uh, I think right now, because、uh, she has uh, no like uh, on-site knowledge about China's economic growth and particularly financial、um, uh, reality, so I think for this trip. She will get first-hand material and information on exactly the health of Chinese economy、mm-hmm. and exactly what she would do、uh, back in in the United States to coordinate with、uh, with China on macroeconomic policies.、Mm. What about the China side? Does China expect anything? Well,、uh, of course, I think、uh, China, on top of reopening communication channels、uh, between the two sides, and particularly. Uh, reopening economic dialogue between professional、uh, administrators on,、uh, you know, fiscal policy、uh, and also trade and technology policy. I think for this particular trip, the Chinese side wanted to inform the U.S. side to,、uh, you know, changing and adapting their perception of China as, as quickly as possible.、Mm. I think、uh, Secretary Yellen has contributed to that because of her April speech. Uh, at the Science、uh, Center,、uh, at the Johns Hopkins University,、mm-hmm. but this time I think、uh, China wants to know more about the recent change 
the U.S. wanted to change from uh, decoupling to de-risking. Mm. Well, as you mentioned, after years of sort of separation, this truth is more like a testing water uh, moment for both sides. So, uh, Doctor, what issues do you think? What issue or issues do you think the two sides might uh, pick up as a start for further communication? I think there are many issues on the table, but exactly、mm. how they will proceed,、uh, we'll wait and see. But there are、uh, some of the,、uh, you know, on the top of the list. Number one is microeconomic policy because we know that after the pandemic, the re- recovery is different in the United States and in China. Both sides need to learn from each other and know exactly where they are. And secondly,、uh, I think it's important、uh, for China to understand exactly、uh, how much is the problem of U.S. debt, even though the U.S. is pushing back. Uh, the debt limit、uh, time, however, at this point is still unclear、um, mm-hmm. exactly how the debt problem will resolve, and and also the U.S. probably will ask China to keep and even buy more U.S. Treasury bond to uh, uh, help U.S.、Uh, debt problem, and also the U.S. has still a pretty high level of inflation,、right. so I think、uh, they will also discuss about the inflation issue and how to resolve that,、mm. and finally, I think. There are still common challenges globally because the debt problem in developing countries is also a very a big problem. So they will discuss discover uh, discuss uh, such issues、uh, bilaterally.、Mm. Well,、um, in announcing the trip, the U.S. Department of Treasury quoted the speech that you mentioned that Yellen made in this past April at Johns Hopkins SAIS.、Um, it said the U.S. seeks three principles in engaging with China economically, which are to secure U.S. national inter-、uh, security interests and to protect human rights through targeted actions. Two, to seek a healthy economic relationship with China and expands economic opportunities. Unity for American workers and businesses, and three to seek to cooperate on urgent global challenges like climate change and debt di- distress.、Um, Doctor Zhao, do you, how do you see these principles set by the U.S.?、Um, and I mean, are they fair principles suitable for government level dialogue? Well, I think only the third one is probably sounds reasonable, which、mm. is to cooperate with China on common challenges.、Uh, the first two, the U.S. needs to clarify. Uh, exactly, what do they mean by national security? Because now they have a very broad definition of national security, and that's hurting、uh, cooperation and trade between the two sides、uh, on areas uh, specifically uh, related to semiconductors、uh, and other high technology、uh, areas products. And secondly,、uh, the U.S. is officially saying that they want to compete with China fairly. However, the tools they're using. Uh, from the Treasury Department to the Commerce Department, the, you know the sanctions,、mm. the export controls, and all kinds of tools they're using is not、uh, giving those countries a level of playing field. So、uh, we're still, you know, complaining and asking the U.S. to change the current course and have a fair competition with us, and also limit. The use of national security as an excuse for their protectionism.、Mm, indeed, these are rather、um, general and a little bit vague principles. It seems to the Chinese side.、Um, Also, Yellen is、uh, set to meet with U.S. company representatives、uh, in China.、Um, so, how do you think American business are businesses are viewing their China market,、uh, especially against increasingly protective U.S. economic policy against China? I think many companies, and particularly their CEOs, are showing uh, their uh, favor to the Chinese market, and that is signified by the recent. Uh, many uh, visits from the U.S. and top-level、uh, U.S. company leaders.、Uh, right now, I think in the United States, many U.S. companies are concerned about、uh, geopolitical tension between the two sides, and they want the U.S. government to cl- clarify their position and try to calm the tensions between the two sides, so they can carry on with their with their business. And, and they're still looking forward to the expansion of the Chinese market and invest in China. So I think this trip for Yellen is very important because for her there's a unique opportunity to talk with、uh, business leaders, U.S. business leaders in China, and to understand their concerns、uh, and their view about the future of bilateral economic relationship, so that they, so that she can come back to the White House、mm-hmm. and convince other American officials that their security concerns is overblown and they need <laughs> to、uh, reduce the tension between the two sides and get back. 
to normal business. Mm. Well, also, Dr. Zhao. So,、um, China is still, you know,、uh, very focused on its、uh, domestic economic development. I mean,、uh, even against,、uh, you know, the geopolitical tensions、um, around the world set by the United States, really to isolate China on some、uh, field. So, for China to further stimulate growth. And also develop a healthy economy. How do you think government policies、uh, should prioritize? Well,、uh, first of all, I think China's policy is and will continue to focus on its domestic economic、uh, construction. And、mm. so far,、uh, the Chinese economy is、uh, recovering, even though lower than expectation. But、uh, I think it takes time,、uh, according to the experience of other countries, to recover, considering the current international environment. But also,、uh, the Chinese government also declared that they want a higher level of opening up to the world,、mm. and、uh, we're carrying studies of uh, you know uh, uh, more opportunities to join CPTPP,、uh, DIPA, and other、uh, international trade agreements. So for that, I think、uh, the international business should trust the government that they will continue to push forward、uh, reform and、uh, opening up, and、uh, I think this is a, a very clear signal. Uh, to the American business, also European and other、uh, countries, that, that China is still a, an ideal place for investment, and also will continue to have a relatively high level of growth in the foreseeable future. So、mm-hmm. I think this visit of Yellen and the dialogue between the Chinese side and American side should reaffirm the world that the two engines of the world will continue to work and drive growth globally. And I think that's what the world needs right now.、Mm, right. Well, four days—I mean, not long enough, but、uh, certainly quite a few days for Janet Yellen to be in China. And as you mentioned, it will be a good time for her to feel the temperature、um, of the Chinese economy as well as American businesses in China. And we、we'll、certainly keep an eye on, you know, what the talks will turn up、uh, in the next few days. But、uh, thank you, Doctor. That was Doctor Zhao Hai, research fellow at Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Coming up, French President Emmanuel Macron held a special security meeting and cancelled state visit to Germany amid national unrest. You're listening to World Today. Stay with us. As one of CGTN Radio's most popular programs, World Today provides listeners with a strong mix of international news and business. It delivers in-depth analysis of current affairs and one-on-one interviews. We need the stories behind the news, not just what's happening, but why. Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. French President Emmanuel Macron hosted a special security meeting Sunday night amid ongoing tensions over the killing of a 17-year-old boy in a Paris suburb. Macron delayed what would have been the first state visit to Germany by a French president in 23 years, starting Sunday evening. In total, more than 3,000 people have been arrested by the French police following a mass security deployment. On Sunday, a burning car struck the home of a mayor of a town south of Paris. Now, for more, we're joined by Dr. Cui Hongjian. He is head of European Studies Department at China Institute of International Studies. Thank you, Dr. Cui, for joining us. It's great to have you back on the show. Hi. Now, Doctor Macron cancelled his planned state visit to Germany because of the unrest, and that state visit would be would have been the first state visit to Germany by a French president in twenty three years. Quite remarkable. So, what does that tell us about the seriousness of the issue at home? Yes, as we、uh, know, that、uh, it shows、uh, now it's、uh, in a very serious uh, situation uh, for this uh, chaos in uh, uh, France. And、uh, that's the reason why、uh, President Macron has to cancel his、uh, very important state visit to Germany. But of course, as we know now, it looks like uh, uh, all of these, uh, uh, I mean,、uh, incidents、uh, showed a lot of、uh, internal problem or challenges for the Macron's、uh, government. So I think for the、uh, time being,、uh, President Macron and his government. <coughs> Have to、uh, change some focuses, especially in recent days. As we know,、uh, it looks like、uh, 
President Macron will uh, play a more active role in some uh, regional and international affairs. So I think these uh, internal problems or challenges will give another direction to his uh, policies by the uh, French government and even the focus of uh, President Macron uh, in near future. Mm. Well, protesters raided the home of uh, the mayor of a town south of Paris um, on Sunday. Um, how unusual is that during street protests in France? As we know, France is one of the countries have a lot of the uh, uh, we call the uh, street uh, incidents, including some uh, strikes or some other. Uh, I mean, uh, there's uh, mass uh, uh, incidents like some other. So I think at this moment, <clears throat> it will give a big test for uh, President Macron and his government to deal with the issue, to try to find a balance, uh, though, for example, how to uh, criticize the uh, uh, policy uh, administration on some uh, unfair, I mean, uh, actions uh, by some uh, policy, uh, po- uh, policy, and also how to keep the balance between those uh, angels from uh, average people, from this uh, minority people, and also some uh, other uh, sectors, as we know, recent years, because of uh, reform uh, taken by the government, uh, there has been a lot of uh, satisfaction I mean, failing from the society. So now I think it, uh, to uh, go back to uh, mm. this balance, I think the uh, French government uh, has to do something more to, uh, I mean, uh, to give some more care, especially the uh, society and also this uh, uh, unsatisfaction feeling from average people. Mm. Well, the uh, dead boy's grandma on Sunday called for calm. Uh, she told French TV, here I quote, the people who are rioting, I'm telling them to stop, unquote. So how do you think her signal has been received by the French public? I think so far this um, mm-hmm. family of this uh, uh, victim, I mean, it's a uh, uh, young uh, boy, showed, uh, I think, a more rational attitude towards this uh, incident. I think it, it will give some great help for the uh, French government to calm down the uh, feeling from the happy people. But of course, as according to my understanding, no matter what happened for uh, this uh, young boy and the uh, policeman, I think the um, is the chaos and or some other uh, uh, unrest uh, taken by some people. Uh, I think is out of the order of the society. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, I think it's right for the French government to take some actions. But of course, now the big question is how could the French government to uh, have some more uh, effective management mm-hmm. of police administration? Mm. Dr. Sui, how do you see the situation unfolding going forward in the next few days? As we can find out, it's uh, <clears throat> a little bit different from the last time, I mean, mm-hmm. the 2005. Uh, and at that time, they, uh, there was also a very big scale, I mean, chaos in the society of uh, France. And it, it uh, took a longer time, I mean, almost 20 days. But this time, I think the, uh, <clears throat> it's the attitude from government towards this um, incident showed a lot of difference from the last one. And the pres- uh, Macron's government tried to find a balance between the people's uh, feeling, people's uh, anger, and also how to uh, you know, give some punishment to uh, the uh, related administration. So I think uh, uh, <clears throat> till now, it shows that uh, it's going to, uh, I mean, calm down. Mm. For, for the whole incident. So I hope that it will not be the copy of the last time. Mm. Indeed, it's already very sad enough. So uh, talking about uh, this incident in general, here I have some figures. A 2017 study by France's independent civil rights agency found that men perceived to be of African or Arab origin were about three times as likely as white men to have experienced a police identity check in the previous five years, meaning, um, you know, African or Arab uh, 
French men will tend to be、um, questioned and also checked by French police more than white men. So,、uh, Doctor Sweet, help us understand just how prevalent is police violence or police,、um, you know, racial profiling against young people of Arab and African origin in France. Certainly,、uh, I think for this、uh, incident, we can find uh, two uh, keywords or two key issues for the uh, uh, French uh, society. One of them is.、Uh, Uh, minority or、uh, the tension between the minority group and the so-called local people.、Mm. Uh, also, you know that's also a reason why at the first time this in- incident、uh, raised a lot of,、uh, I mean, echo <coughs>、uh, from some m- minority groups. And also another key issue is、uh, how to deal with the、uh, so-called teenager, I mean,、uh, issue. Also, you know, especially for this time. Uh, the main people、uh, to be part of these、uh, chaos are from a、uh, teenager. So I think it, it shows a、uh, too big、uh, social challenge for、uh, France. So I think now it's、uh, maybe it's a、uh, uh, time for uh, uh, French government for this、uh, society to deal with this、uh, two issue as seriously as possible.、Mm. Well, on that,、uh, French officials said Macron also wants to start a detailed, long-term assessment of the reasons that led to the unrest. I mean, Doctor Su, how do you see these reasons? What are these reasons, really? I think yes. I think、uh, there should be, uh, uh, I mean, a very deep、uh, social background for some uh, uh, social problem. Just, just like we mentioned, that、uh, how to find out more. Uh, harmonization situation between the minority people and also the local people. As we know now, uh, uh, as a country with a lot of migrations, so it's a very big challenge for、uh, French government to deal with this、uh, uh, harmony issue between the different、uh, I mean, ethnic groups.、Mm. And another, I think, the big reason is how to deal with these、uh, economic challenges. As we know. Once there are some more、uh, job opportunities for the young people, for some more,、uh, I mean,、uh, migration, I think certainly there will be some、uh, more perspective.、Uh, I mean,、uh, the future for、uh, for French government and also society to deal with this.、Uh, Uh, big social challenges.、Mm. Well, as you mentioned, migration、um, into、uh, Western European developed economies has been quite common in the past few years. So, Doctor Sui, is this problem only unique to France, or is it、uh, quite common among Western European developed economies, such as France, Germany, etc.? Also, you know,、uh, mostly、uh, most of the、uh, migrations from outside to、uh, Europe, they try to. Choose some、uh, advanced economies like、uh, Germany and France. Of course, regarding to the France, as we know, there are、uh, another some、uh, historical reasons be-、mm. because of、uh, its a、uh, long, I mean,、uh, colonial、uh, time. So I think it's also a, a historical burden for the uh, uh, French uh, society. So it's also、uh, shows that it's not so easy an、uh, uh, issue for the government to deal with it. But of course, now I think、uh, this time it、uh, perhaps become another opportunity for the French government, especially for President Macron, because he is always always try to show the、uh, figure as a reformist. So I think、uh, she did a lot to reform the policy, social policy, economic policy.、Mm-hmm. Why not、mm-hmm. he, take the chance of this、uh, time to do something more? Mm. To、uh, get some more, I mean, balance between、uh, some issues. Right. Well, the unrest has been in the news for quite a few days, and we certainly hope the temperature will cool off、um, as soon as possible. But thank you. That was Dr. Cui Hongjian, head of European Studies Department, China Institute of International Studies. Coming up, China resumes cross-border electricity exports to Vietnam. For more, you can follow us on Twitter at CGTN Radio. You're listening to World Today. We'll be right back. I am Dan Wang, Chief Economist of Hang Seng Bank, China. 
The world today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. Welcome back. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. China has resumed cross-border electricity exports to Vietnam amid the Southeastern Asian country's power crunch. The transmission will help alleviate the energy shortage in Vietnam, where lower than than usual rainfall this summer has hampered electricity generation. Vietnam, home to large factories run by global companies, has witnessed many factories suspend operations due to the electricity crisis. The country's gross domestic product expanded by eight percent last year, with global companies investing in the country as a manufacturing and export hub. For more, my colleague Zhao Yang spoke with Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kang Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. Professor Yao, so first of all, what are the main reasons for Vietnam's power crunch this summer, and why do they need to buy electricity from China?、Um, Vietnam is now becoming the manufacturing center of the world.、Uh, there are lots of multinational companies who are、uh, assembling different kinds of products. Particularly in northern Vietnam, and in the season,、uh, it is very hot, and there's a lack of rainfall, which lead to、uh, a lack of electricity generation in the country itself. But why、uh, Vietnam have to import electricity from China? There are particularly two reasons. First of all,、uh, it is close to China, and secondly,、uh, China have a huge electricity generation capacity, particularly. Uh, along the border of Vietnam, in Guangxi, and, and to some extent, maybe in Vietnam. This time,、uh, the export of electricity is coming from Guangxi, which is the shortest distance.、Uh, although China, in some point, China also required a lot of electricity、uh, consumption, but at this particular moment, I think Vietnam is in a acute shortage of electricity. So the only way、uh, to solve the problem. To rely on the electricity supply from China, so、mm. this comes to the uh, current uh, situation.、Mm. The other reason is that the electricity from China is very,、uh, very cost-effective.、Uh, I look at the price; it's less than one yuan per、uh, kilometer、uh, kilowatt hours (kWh)、uh, is only seventy to seventy-five cents of the Chinese yuan, so it's a reasonable price. Mm. So, how much of electricity will be transmitted and sold to Vietnam, and to what extent will it help to solve the country's power shortage issue? Well, it will certainly、uh, mitigate the current shortage of electricity situation. Whether China is able to export enough electricity to entirely solve the Vietnam electricity shortage problem、uh, is questionable.、Uh, but、uh, as far as The supply is concerned from Guangxi. I think China would do the best to make sure that、uh, the the difficult problem northern Vietnam is resolved.、Mm. As far as the 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 exact amount, I think it really depends on the situation. How much、uh, is, is the dry period of electricity that may cause to the supply domestically in Vietnam, and and and. What would be the you know the supply and demand situation between the two borders on Guangxi、uh, and also、uh, in Vietnam? So、uh, basically, China is able to generate as much as possible、uh, to critically、uh, mitigate the shortage problem in the short term.、Mm. And how do you think will the power outage hit business operations in Vietnam, the factories, the plants? How serious is the situation there? Well, the、uh, Vietnam have been doing extremely well、uh, over the last few years as the biggest、uh, exporter among the、uh, the Southeast Asian region.、Uh, but currently, due to the external shock,、uh, uncertainty in the supply chain, in the global economy, and also the domestic、uh, issue of、uh, electricity shortage,、uh, it is some、uh, causing some problem export and import. Have been shrinking by、uh, by nearly fifteen、uh, to eighteen percent,、uh, as particularly in import and export. 
uh, have declined by about 13%. So uh, the first five months, although the, 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 the last month uh, statistic is still not available, but the first five months this year uh, is a difficult challenge for Vietnam. Uh, the Vietnamese economy, there are some other concerns because the housing market plan and there's also some sort of distortion in the domestic market. There's a, a, a comprehensive issue, not only the electricity shortage, not only the manufacturing sector and the export. There is a, quite a, quite a comprehensive set of issues that the, uh, the Vietnamese government has to handle at the moment. Mm. And we know that a lot of uh, global companies investing in the country as a manufacturer and uh, export hub. So what are their competitiveness and why is the country so much attractive for foreign direct investment? Uh, there are particularly two fundamental uh, advantages for the Vietnamese economy uh, and the manufacturing sector. Uh, not only the labor cost is uh, significantly lower than the comparable labor cost is China, but over the last 20 years, the Chinese, uh, sorry, the Vietnamese uh, manufacturing sector has been doing very well. It created a very uh, conducive business environment for multinational companies, particularly in the electronic, electronic and government uh, sector, which Vietnam enjoyed a significant advantage because it is very labor intensive. Uh, and the, the, the assets of working of the Vietnamese workers, they are uh, equally hardworking uh, compared to the Chinese. And on the other hand, I think China is upgrading the, the industrial system. The Chinese uh, industry is moving from the uh, relatively low level to a high level uh, change. And there's a lot of transmission uh, or, or transfer of manufacturing capacity from China to Vietnam. And as, as far as the Vietnamese economy is building up, I think it become more and more attractive uh, for other multinational companies to set up business there. So it is emerging as a, a, a very competitive uh, manufacturing hub, in, not only in Southeast Asia, but also in the rest of the world. And in a broader point of view, Professor, do you think the power cooperation between China and Vietnam will be a focal point that could help further improve the bilateral economic ties? Yeah, there is a, a very strong uh, interlinkage between Vietnam and China, not only the electricity sector. Electricity is only one of the many factors that uh, can facilitate the, the, the mutual, sorry, the bilateral. Uh, trade and investment between Vietnam and China. Uh, I think China has made uh, a lot of uh, investment, uh, setting up factories and other services to the, uh, the Vietnam uh, you know, area. Uh, and this electricity shortage is a short-term issue. Uh, China can provide the emergency uh, support, although it has been cut off by uh, by quite a few years over the uh, last six years. This is the first time China resumed the supply of electricity to Vietnam. Mm. And by by doing so, I think uh, China can uh, provide some sort of certainty and stability to strengthen the bilateral relationship uh, by resolving this electricity crisis. That would give a very strong confidence for the business and the uh, local government Vietnam to uh, further segment the relationship between the both sides. Mm. And what's the outlook for the China-ASEAN cooperation in the energy sector? Will it bring more opportunities for business? And what does it mean for regional integration? Yeah, the prospect is because uh, China has very really obvious competitive advantage in terms of building up uh, you know, power generation uh, a capacity and also the uh, you know the provision of uh, electricity transmission system uh, because China has gained quite a lot of years of experience domestically and this kind of experience in technology and know-how which would be particularly useful uh, for the Southeast Asian nation but uh, infrastructure development electricity supply system these are just some of the major elements. Uh, between China and ASEAN. On the other hand, the ASEAN economy provided a significant scope for China to diversify 
international trade investment away from the very traditional countries such as the United States and, and Europe. So the the prospect between ASEAN and China uh, is very strong. That was Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kang Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. This is World Today. We'll be right back. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Wren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology, and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China on China and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. Welcome back. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Austria is planning to join the European Sky Shield Initiative, an air protection group launched by Germany. The move has invited criticism, saying that it violates the country's military neutrality. Austrian defense officials said negotiations to join are currently underway. The initiative consists of 17 European NATO countries, except France, and aims to close gaps in European air defense against Russia. Austria would be the first non-NATO country to join. Now, for more, we're joined by David Martin Jones. He is visiting professor at War Studies Department, King's College London. Thank you, Professor Jones. Good to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me back on the show. First,、uh, Professor Jones, help us understand the Sky Shield initiative. I mean, what is it, and why did Germany start it in the first place? Well, the initiative is、um, air defence, so it's not、um, an aggressive uh, uh, form of、uh, air power. It, it's it's strictly an air defence network、um, of linked states. And obviously, it's come about or, or been、uh, prominent because of the war in Ukraine and the、um, impact of particularly drones in terms of、um, uh, uh, an air attack.、Mm. But then, Doc,、uh, Professor Jones,、uh, European countries already have NATO, right? Why does it need Sky Shield again? Well, I, I think the Sky, Sky Shield. If you look at the countries involved in Sky Shield, they're、mm. mainly、um, uh, they're primarily Central European, German, and、um, mm. you know the British and um, mm. Uh, you know the sort of the, the countries that would be、uh, most affected by、um, Russian drone attacks. So you can see why Austria would fit into that along that corridor, the Danubian corridor, which could be、um, subject to that kind of air attack. So the shield fits naturally with the idea that you've got an integrated sky shield operating from Poland and the Baltics down to Romania and beyond. Well then, pr- Professor, pr- practically in joining Sky Shield, what does Austria want, and what can it get? Well, it wants、um, mm. the defensive shield. You know that that that's the main reason for it doing this. And obviously,、um, some members, you know, Austrian opposition have said it violates、uh, longstanding、um, Austrian neutrality.、Mm. Does it to you? To some degree, yes.、Mm. You know, I mean,、mm. it, it, it's an interesting case of neutral states at the moment because、um, uh, the war in Ukraine has obviously、um, uh, exacerbated the thinking of neut- neutral states like Austria, that's been neutral since 1954.、Mm-hmm. But even Switzerland are thinking of maybe, you know, taking a more、um, You know, sort of alliance position with regard to NATO, and we've already seen what's happened with Sweden and Finland. So, in some ways, this move by Austria is part of a more general pattern across Europe.、Mm. 
Well, then, Professor, does it also mean that、um, European, Western European, Central European, and、uh, also Eastern European countries feel still unsafe, even though the majority of them are already in NATO under the protection of the United States? Yeah, I think there's a, a general sense of unease across Europe as a result of what's happened in the Ukraine and the instability in Russia. So the idea of, 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 of Ensuring air protection is is probably not、um, it's not an aggressive move. It's a purely defensive move against、um, potential, you know, drone attacks. Maybe not from Russia, from from other actors. So、um, the idea that one's airspace can be violated very easily by、uh, the, the the latest drone technology. Um, is, is a reason why、um, a lot of the、um, uh, northern and eastern European states are looking towards to their defences more、um, uh, more directly than they were during the period before the Ukraine war, when you know about three or four years ago,、uh, people were wondering if NATO had any purpose.、Mm. Well, Professor,、um, we all all understand. You know, people close to the center of the conflicts want security guarantees、mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. But isn't,、mm-hmm. shouldn't you know, politicians and national government leaders think、uh, in a broader, more you know, on a much higher ground? I mean, does a mutual military buildup、um, really help、uh, ease the tension? Do you think?、Um, what、um, what should be done, really? Well, I, I think you, you'd have to say that this initiative、mm. is, is essentially defensive. You know, it's just making sure your airspace is not violated by an aggressor. That doesn't seem to me to be a military build-up. In other areas where NATO is increasing, you know, its de- de- defence procurement. And it's、um, you know building its military budgets up.、Mm. That's obviously a reaction to the war in Ukraine. On the other hand, there are also you know as you pointed out, as you sort of intimated,、um, some differences within NATO. I mean, France hasn't agreed to this initiative, for instance.、Um, mm. And there's a sense in which.、Um, You know, some of the Central European countries, like France and Germany, want to have a more independent of NATO defensive posture, and and that's kind of probably inevitable in the current、um, uh, global climate,、mm. where people where states are thinking differently about their interests compared with where they were, you know, ten years ago.、Mm. Right.、Um, also,、uh, an interesting detail, Professor. Why didn't France join this、uh, Sky Shield initiative? Well, I don't think it feels as immediately threatened on on that border, and it also thinks it's got its own adequate, you know, shields and uh, uh, air defence. You know, it's, it's got a big air defence industry that it runs, and I think it thinks it's quite capable of defending its own airspace. Without the large, largely German-run Sky Shield initiative.、Mm. Well, then, Professor,、uh, again to the very basics. I mean, the war in Ukraine has been going on for more than a year now. I mean,、yeah. how do you see the the situation right now? And do you, do we have any hope of、uh, real negotiations? Well, it, it, it's. You know, I, I mean, what we've noticed in the last months is that every expert prediction has been probably way out, you know, and wrong. I mean, Ukraine hasn't made a breakthrough.、Um, Russia has had the Prozogin episode.、Um, nobody really knows what exactly is going to happen in in the summer fighting months, which will last until. What, about October, November,、um, but the way things are going, it looks like、um, that there's going to be、um, uh, a, 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 an ongoing conflict and a sort of、um, 
uh, a, a non-negotiated state of um, uh, you know a, a unresolved conflict um, in that region that Russia claims as its territory and Ukraine refuses to recognize Russian claims. So I don't see, see any immediate prospects of resolution until both sides, you know, recognize the damage they're doing requires some kind of negotiated peace. Mm. But we haven't reached that point yet, I don't think. Well, but um, the war has, as I said, the war has been going on for that long and it does really need to stop. Um, thank you, Professor. That was David Martin Jones, visiting professor at War Studies Department at King's at King's College London. You're listening to World Today. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Einar Tangen, a political and economic analyst and senior fellow at the Independent Tiger Institute. World Today is news without the hype and business commentary that is informed and up to date. Presenting the facts and asking incisive questions. So, join us if you are someone who needs to know what is happening in China as it is happening. Welcome back. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. A new report has listed Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen as the top three Chinese cities in attracting talented professionals. The report, compiled by one of China's largest job recruitment platforms, Zhilian, and titled "China City Talent Attraction Ranking," has been released annually since 2017. It surveys cross-city job research search data to analyze talent mobility. In the latest report, in terms of the net flow ratio of talented individuals, one of the index's major indicators, Shanghai, once again came in first. As it did in 2021. Now, for more, we're joined by Professor Liu Baocheng of University of International Business and Economics. Thank you, Professor Liu, for joining us. It's great to have you back on the show. Hi, hello. Now, Professor, in your opinion, because um, the you know the the company that compiled reports said you know, it based uh, these um, the ranking um, cross city job search data. So, how reliable do you think that is?、Uh, I think it's uh, uh, very much conform to the、uh, popular notion that、uh, because these cities are there to provide the right type of job opportunities, particularly for them to really actualize、mm. what they have learned and、uh, what they have、uh, equipped with their professional skills, and plus that、uh, The, in terms of the social environment, because、uh, you know scientists and、uh, managers, they do not only look at the job opportunity, but also they look at the living environment where uh, there's uh, uh, much of the amenity that is being provided to、mm-hmm. uh, these uh, people and their families. And so,、uh, this is really there,、uh, very realistic. Mm-hmm. Well then, Professor, respectively, how would you explain the unique、um, attractiveness of Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen for professionals?、Uh, well, on a macro side, you see the per capita、uh, income、mm-hmm. in these cities are really the highest among all the provinces and cities across China. And second,、uh, we can see the openness of their environment in、uh, attracting. The top talents in terms of the mobility,、uh, in terms of the catering, and uh, uh, the uh, modernity of those、uh, science labs, and also the corporate culture、uh, for those managers are there to be、uh, more receptive to、uh, innovation and uh, uh, many new ideas.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, this can really provide them the right type of incentive. Well, in addition to、uh, what is the pay over there,、mm-hmm. so actually recently I have uh, uh, really researched into some of the corporate cultures. Uh, one uh, one attraction is the honor for、mm-hmm. uh, the uh, for people to receive at different level.、Uh, second is uh, the the uh, package of the payment, and third is really the、uh, learning opportunity for those people to interact. Uh, either with their employers and with their peers, that can help them to further improve 
their skills and their vision.、Mm. So these are really the top attraction points for those talents. Mm. Well,、um, Professor Liu. So Shanghai remains top one in terms of net flow of、uh, talents, meaning meaning talents. The number of talents moving in surpasses that of、uh, talents moving out. So, what has Shanghai done right? Do you think? Well, it is a big、uh, open metropolitan,、mm. and we can see that more of the、uh, multinationals are shifting more of their headquarters actually from the political center into the. Big commercial center. Secondly, uh, Shanghai uh, manufacture uh, is really supported by the entire uh, cluster, uh, you know, connecting Shanghai with、uh, Jiangsu Province, Zhejiang Province, and Anhui Province. So it has a larger room for them to expand uh, their uh, professional skills. And thirdly, it is、uh, the support of、uh, finance、mm. uh, that is uh, highly. Uh, Uh, effective in supporting the、uh, skill and scope operation、uh, over there, and uh, uh, lastly, I should see,、uh, I should say that uh, the uh, more of the、uh, multinational companies with、uh, more of the expats over there, they form a very diverse culture、mm. uh, that is not really being able to be compared even by those other big cities.、Mm. Professor, so we have one minute before we wrap up. But、uh, one more question: the report shows more than half of the talent mobility occur in industries like IT, real estate, manufacturing. So why is that? Well,、uh, first of all, the、uh, these are really the、uh, the industries that are really sign rising,、mm. and so it has a whole、uh, lot of potential for them to、uh, develop. So that.、Uh, These talents can grow with the industry, and、uh, secondly, when China is、uh, going for high quality growth,、mm. uh, these industries are really the leaders and pioneers in pointing to the future, and so that is much in conformity with the macro,、uh, the incentives provided by the central government, and uh, uh, thirdly. Uh, it requires really the type of the technical and professional skills that is no puff and no nonsense for those people. <laughs>、mm. Right. Thank you, Professor, for talking to us. That was Professor Liu Baocheng with University of International Business and Economics. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. For further discussions, find us on Twitter at CGTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Thank you for staying with us. Bye for now.